0: Today we are kicking off a new series that is called I Choose and the series was written by Craig Grishel just to give him the the shout out that he deserves on that and it's going to be a series that identifies the fact that as we go through our life we are faced with choices. There, There are decisions that we have to make and whether we realize we're making a decision or not doesn't mean that we're not making one. Because every time that we, we start a day, we begin making choices, and a lot of them go unseen or, I guess, unthought about in the way that we live our life. A- and our values often aren't even connected to the choice that we're, ma- we're making, and that's really what I want to dive into. I want us to become more aware are we making choices that reflect what we believe? Are we making choices that reflect the way that we think we should be living? And just to kind of get started on the area that we're diving in today, I want you to just imagine with me for a moment. Imagine with me that you live in a world in which every single person loves you and agrees with you. And just think about what that would feel like for a moment. Let it process. Everyone agrees with me. Everyone likes me. Okay, now let go of that because that would never happen, right? Right? I mean, that's just not the world that we live in. I mean, even Jesus himself, he lived and people didn't like him. People find an excuse to, to not like you, and it's often ridiculous, but we know that that's the world that we live in. But the fact is, so much of our life is spent chasing after people's approval. And even though we know that we're not going to get it from everyone, we just we have this thing that just gravitates towards, I want people to approve of me, to agree with me, and a lot of times we'll flex who we think we should be just to gain someone else's approval. And it's a strange thing. Uh, I also want you to, to imagine with me for a minute, get the imagination working again. Imagine a world where you don't care much about what other people think because you're so focused on pleasing God that their opinion doesn't, doesn't matter as much to you. And I want you to think about that because that actually is possible. That, that is something that you can experience where you're more concerned about pleasing God with your life than what the people around you think. And this isn't just possible, this is actually what Scripture teaches about the way that we should live. And this is connected into what we're talking, the main topic of today. The choice that I want to encourage you to make is this, that I choose purpose over popularity. I choose purpose over popularity. And for us, purpose should be incredibly important to the way that we live. Purpose should be this guiding thing. But many of us, we've never really thought too deeply about purpose, maybe, or maybe that was something we thought about and let, left behind. And even when I say purpose, I think sometimes it's, it's fuzzy because when we think purpose, sometimes it's the big thing like, you know, God, show me my purpose. Okay, you know, I want to be a missionary. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cure this disease. And we think it's like this one big thing that's just this one label but I want to tell you, God's purpose for your life isn't just one idea of what you end up. It's not just the title of, of, of your work status. It's not anything like that. But I'd say God's purpose, it's not you know, the, the big P purpose. It's like the little P purpose. It's that in this situation, I should be kind when other people would say, I have the right to attack. That in this situation, I should be generous. That in, in this situation, I should be loving. And that your purpose is lived out, not just on the grand scale, but on the, on the tiny scale in each of your interactions around your home, around your workplace, around the city as you're going and shopping. Your purpose should be lived out in all of those places, not just this one big title over your life. And the, the problem with what happens with how we live is that when we don't know our purpose, we end up using our life to do something that it wasn't designed to do. And this isn't just true of the way that we live, this is true of so many things, that if you have an object and you don't know what it does, you end up misusing that object. And sometimes that can, that can be embarrassing. I know that when I was a youth pastor, I, I had a desk and this is strange, but there was these two little silicone soft half circles that were sitting on my desk. And most people, as they walk up to them, they wouldn't know what they are, like the middle school boy who walked into my office and he picked them up and he thought they looked like bug eyes, so he put them on his face and he thought he was being funny. And the women might pick this up faster, but uh, we had just had our first child and there were my wife's lily pads, um, which men, that's what women put on to stop lactation, to make the lactation stop from going out their shirt. And you know how middle school boys are, like when they touch something like that. And I'm like, hey, um, just so you know, and he had like a little little attack, threw him towards the desk and just, you know, left the room. And I was close with him and so it was okay, but it was was hugely embarrassing for him. And that's what happens when we don't know the purpose of something, we end up misusing it, we end up embarrassing ourselves. For any kid, you know, who's playing with a tampon and thought it was a torpedo, for anyone who thought a rectal thermometer goes under their tongue, when you don't know what something is, you end up misusing it. And when we don't know what the purpose of our life is, when we don't know the purpose that God has for us and how to live as we enter in situations through our day, we end up living our life in a way that it wasn't meant to be lived and we end up missing out on tremendous blessings and we miss out on opportunities to be a blessing. And so we have to know what scripture says, what God says about what the purpose of our life is. And once again, I just wanna continue to just hammer this down. It's not just one big moment. What is your purpose in all of these small interactions? Why has God placed you in your family? Why has God placed you in your workplace? When someone starts talking to you in the line at Publix, why has God placed you in this situation? What can you bring to them that honors God, that testifies about the great work that he has done? What is your purpose? And so we're going to look at three points, but there's really just one overarching idea that, that I, I want us to, to take from this, and kind of the overarching idea is, is this, that living for the approval of people keeps us from the purpose of God. Living for the approval of people keeps us from the purposes of God, and so we have to, we have to fight against this internal struggle uh, of, I know that if I live this way, it's going to draw attention to me. And I might not be ready for that attention. I might not be ready you know, to, get, to let people's approval go because as we chase after the purposes of God, people are gonna look at you and, and they're gonna say, that was odd. Like, why did you give your hard-earned hard money to that person outside of Publix? Why were you kind to them when they weren't kind to you? It's gonna draw strange attention to you at times. But we, when we live for the pur- purpose of God, we experience amazing blessings in our life. And we're gonna look in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 24. And this is a really interesting chapter. It goes through these heroes of the faith, but we're going to dial into Moses, it, who's referenced in 24 through 26. And this is a really interesting passage because it ties in Moses and Christ together. And, and if you don't know anything about Moses, his background, he was born a Hebrew slave. And children his age were being slaughtered, and so he he was put into a a small little boat that they made, drifted down the river, and Pharaoh's daughter found him and adopted him. And though he was born a Hebrew slave, he was raised as royalty. I mean, to talk about the living situation of the day, there was no better place to be living than where Moses was in the house of the Pharaoh. And, And When it came to comfort, he had all of the comfort. When it came to popularity, he was popular. He was high up within Pharaoh's court because of this. And then we see what happens. It's just summarized in verse 24 in Hebrews 11, and we'll put this on the screen behind me. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose, this is our word, this is the series right here. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. Now, Purpose, it's a powerful thing, but once again, it's not just that big thing, it's, it's these little interactions, this lowercase p purpose, these small moments where we find ways to, to honor God. And when we think about Moses' life when he was in Pharaoh's co- court, there would have been so many things that he could have been distracted by that could have consumed his heart and his attention. If you think that it would be, that it's a vastly different experience from today, in this regard, it's not. I know that in our life, it's so easy to get caught up in scrolling the feeds and reading what's online and watching videos, and there's so many things that can capture our attention. It's easy to get caught up and miss out on important moments of our day. But, but in Moses' life, he would have had plenty to occupy his time, plenty of things to occupy his senses. He would have had any of the food, any of the women, any of the riches that he wanted while he was there in Pharaoh's courts. But when, but when God began to show him something, something happened that pulled him out of that situation. And this is generally how it happens. He saw a situation and he began to look at it and he said, someone should do something about this. This isn't right. The condition that the Israelites are living in, it isn't right. And as he saw this, it wasn't just, oh, someone should do something, but it became, I should do something. God is asking me to do something. And I'll say, we often identify the purpose of what we need to do just out of that, there's something unsettling in us. This situation should be changed. And I believe that a lot of times when you find your purpose in the small things and then even into the larger things, it starts out of someone should do something. And then you realize that someone is you. And he saw the suffering of the Israelite people, and it began to well up in his heart to where he was no longer comfortable being referred to as, you know, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, that he was gonna be with them. And when he found his purpose, it began to pull him away from those comforts and from those distractions. And the first thing that I want us to see about purpose and about living for God and finding our purpose is this first thing: that purpose diminishes distractions. Purpose diminishes distractions. There would have been a lot of things that he could have wasted his life on. That that when he he found a purpose that God was calling him towards, it pulled him away from that. And there's nothing comfortable about moving from the palace to slavery. There's nothing nothing comfortable uh, about chasing after God's purpose sometimes. In fact, God's purpose isn't just for us to be comfortable, but it's tied to having something that's better than comfort. And when it comes to distractions... You know, we might look around at other people the way that they're living, and we might, we might say, "How come I don't get to do that? How come I don't get to live with that? God, how come you're calling me to be generous? Because if I do this, I'm going to have to not have this." And, and there's things that want to pull us away from the purpose of God. But the question isn't, you know, "Do I have enough or I am comfortable enough?" The the question is, "Am I chasing after God's purpose?" Because as you begin chasing after God's purpose, I'd say, you know, when I say that purpose diminishes distractions, when you chase after God's purpose, it's not that distractions disappear, it's that they're diminished. In fact, as you begin chasing after God's purpose for your life, for your marriage, for your family, for your career, I'd say that distractions actually do begin to intensify in some ways. If you begin to follow Christ with your life, and, and, and and it begins to work in your marriage, or your family, or your workplace, don't think that it's just going to be an easy, you know, things are just going to get better, easier, easier, but I I believe that you're going to face more opposition as you begin to try to honor God in your life, and and it's played out in lots of testimonies that I've seen. It's played out in different stories in scripture. I like one of the first ones I think of is Nehemiah 6. Nehemiah w- was someone who's a leader, and he looked and he saw the walls around Jerusalem were, were in ruins, and the city had no protection. And he looked at that situation and he said, this breaks my heart. Someone should do something. It evolved to I should do something. He went and he got permission from the king, and he began this good work of repairing the walls of the city. And while he was doing it, other people began to, to criticize and there, there was people who began actually, you know, it's not too different from today, began to send messages saying, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. We're, you know, we, we've heard that you're planning to rebel against the king, and we're going to let the king know. And once the king knows, he's probably going to have you put to death. And, and while he's getting these messages and these discouragements, and he's chasing after God's purpose, he had a really cool reaction in Nehemiah 6. He, he, his reaction was, I'm doing a good work. I don't have time to come down and talk to you about this. I mean, that's a pretty good reaction. When you're in the middle of doing something that you know that you should be doing and someone who is not doing any work sitting on the sideline begins to criticize you rather than engage in the stupid conversation, the argument, you just need to say, I'm too busy doing good work. I don't have time for this. And, and I mean, Nehemiah was, was spot on in this, but in our own lives, when we're chasing after God's purpose, there's often gonna be distractions and arguments that try to pull us away from that. And we need to say, I'm too busy doing a good work. It doesn't look like people carrying a message to us anymore, but often it is a message on our cell phone. We know that this time should be set apart to me and my kids. And then the cell phone starts buzzing. And, and for, for you, if you're in that stage of parenting, man, I'm gonna tell you, that, that's your purpose for right now. Your purpose is to honor God in the way that you parent. And these distractions will come in, and you need to say, right now, I'm in the middle of a good work. And and I don't have time to come down to this. It it might be in your career. You might be saying, I need to complete this project, get it done ahead of schedule, so that I continue to honor God in the way that I work. And, And dumb distractions come in. And you have to say, no, not right now. I'm in the middle of a good work. You might be investing in your marriage, out on a date, and someone else, or you know, the <laughs> I'll get personal, the, the NHL playoffs are on, the NBA playoffs are on, there's a whole lot of distractions that are buzzing into my phone of things that I want to pay attention to, but I have to look at that and say, you know what, right now my purpose, the thing that honors God in my life is for me to invest in my relationship with my wife, and so I have to say I'm in the middle of a good work, I'm not coming down, I'm not dealing with that right now. And purpose should diminish distractions because we're so passionate about pursuing the purpose that God has placed on our life that we just won't allow time for it. It's not that distractions won't come, but it's saying that we're so committed to this purpose that we're not going to allow, allow it to pull us away from what we're supposed to be doing. When I was in college, I, something that was just, it was so huge in, in changing my heart and molding my heart. I, I went to a Christian college in Northeast Georgia, it was about an hour away from Atlanta, and I got connected to this group that every Friday night we would go down to the bad part of Atlanta and, and go and do ministry down there. And we would buy people food, and, and we would spend time with the homeless, and we would, you know, try to help people who are in drug addictions in, down there to buy drugs. And, and we would just be a presence of Christ in that city. And and, it, and we saw some heart-wrenching things happen there. We heard some stories of people who just, their heroin addiction just made them lose their family, lose everything. And, and, and it was he, It was huge time for me to grow, but while we were there, we would always rally at this Christian coffee shop that was down there in the middle of it, and we'd go out, and then we'd come back to it. We got there one week, and there's this amazing musician playing, and and, I mean, he was one of those guys who like used pedals, and he'd play one thing, hit his pedal, and it would repeat it, and he would just build this amazing sound out, and we all got there, and we just like, like we're just staring at him, and we weren't going out and doing what we were supposed to do, and then uh, one of the girls in the group finally piped up because we all were just like stuck in this moment of this musician, and she said, hey guys, this isn't what we came here to do, and we all kind of like woke up, and okay, yeah, yeah we got to get going, and, and what she was saying is, you know, that's not what, what she said was, that's not what we're, what we're here for, and what she meant was, that's not what we're here for today, but in my head, and my heart, I heard something different, and, and it's just always stuck with me. I heard, that's not what we're here for in our life. We came down with a specific intent of doing ministry, and we got caught up just watching music. And there's nothing wrong with music. There's nothing wrong with concerts. But what God spoke to my heart when she said that was don't let yourself get caught up in just enjoying things and not chasing after your purpose. Because music's great. Love it. But it has a place. And if, it, and if its place consumes your purpose... And you've made a mistake. You've gotten distracted in a big way from what God wants to do. And it's not just music, it's anything. If there's anything that's taking over God's purpose, if it's distracting us from God's purpose, then we need to rebalance things in the way that they should be. Our purpose should be diminishing distractions. The next thing about purpose that I want to see from this is that purpose pushes us through pain. Purpose pushes you through the pain. The pathway to your purpose, it's not just distractions that come out, but I'll, I'll say that there's, there's often pain involved in chasing purpose. If, if you decide to get in shape, you know that there is pain associated with accomplishing that purpose. When you look at the lives of people from Scripture, whether it's Moses, David, Nehemiah, Esther, Jesus, Mary, Peter, all of them moving towards their purpose, they had to walk through different levels of pain, because when we chase after something, there is difficulty, there is strain, but knowing the purpose that we're chasing, it gives us the strength to do it. You know, I I don't have much right to to talk about this, because even though, you know, we have had four kids, I really didn't have to do much hard work in having four kids you know, but a woman, when they're having a child, that is a process that, you know, there's an end goal in mind, there's a reason, there's a purpose to why they're doing it, and that purpose is a beautiful, awesome baby, and, but the process of achieving that purpose, man, that's painful, like it, it's a, the idea of being pregnant, it, it's exciting probably until your genes don't fit right anymore, and, 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 it's, and it's good until, you know, stretch marks start showing up, and you can't sleep, and you definitely can't sleep on your stomach. You can't even hug people normally. Like, like pregnancy, there, there's pain associated with it. But, but the reason, and, and you know, the labor process, that's a whole different pain. But the reason to go through it isn't because the process is fun, but because the outcome is amazing. And, and so, you know, just even pregnancy, it's a picture of the fact that when we are chasing after a, pur- a purpose, There's pain associated with that. There's a pain that you go through, but when it's living for God, just like it's when it's a child, it's worth it because you know that it's going to give birth to something amazing, something beautiful in your life. And as we chase after God's purpose, there's going to be critics. There's going to be people who criticize. And the thing that we lean on is that there's something worth it at the end. Going back to, to the passage, In verse 25, it said, He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Man, Moses, he had a perspective that is difficult to copy. To say that the things of heaven, the things of God, are worth so much that I will give up the treasures of Egypt without a concern. I will give up the popularity of being associated with Pharaoh without a concern. And, and, it, and it's not, I'd say, it's not just the reward, because the reward is part of it, and that, that, that reassures us that it's going to be good in the end, but it's the purpose of realizing what God wants to do, how God wants to use you, and understanding the purpose of why we're living the way we're living is what empowers us to live through the pain. Because you know what? As, as, a, as a man, as a husband, as a dad, th- there's times where I have to do things and it's, it's difficult, even in little things, like putting the kids to bed instead of watching a playoff game, um, uh, of you know, saying death to self and, and, and living for God in my marriage and putting her needs above my own. When someone, someone criticizes you online, I understand that the initial thing is to just fight back and criticize back. But if your purpose is to live for Christ, the way that you communicate online, the way that you communicate in your marriage, the way that you communicate to your kids, I'd say all of those things should be affected. And since I'm a dad, I'm, I'm picking on dads first. Guys, the way that we speak, it should be different. The way that we love our wife, uh, I, I saw this conversation happening online about marriage, and, and, and it was just that thing of, you know, well, husbands are, are the head of the household, and they're supposed to, you know, wives are supposed to respect them the way that, they, that, she, that the church respects Christ. Yes, but do you understand how flipped over the model of leadership, of, of headship is in Christianity? We're going to love our wives the way that Christ loved the church. That means that we're going to take the worst jobs, that means we're going to suffer for her benefit. We're leaders because we're the ones who are most willing to lay our life down and do the jobs that everybody else hates to do for her. And we're leaders in the household because we're continually putting her needs above our own. And when we live like that, yes, she's supposed to respect us, but it's easy because she knows that we would do anything for her. Right? That's what it means to be a leader in a, in a Christian home. To put your needs to death. To raise your family up. And it's painful, but that's the purpose that we're called towards. And when you live like that, I'm going to tell you, you will see this amazing blessing just spread through your household, men. But I do believe it's supposed to start with you. And it doesn't always start with the, the man, because the man isn't always involved in seeing faith lived out in the household. And so women, you do have a role, and you do have leadership. And that's not to say that, but I just want to say that in, in the model that's described in Christian, men should be leading the way in their household and their faith. And so I encourage you men, continue to step up. Continue to put her needs above your own. And you're going to see as you live for that purpose, God's blessings showing up. The third thing about purpose that I want us to, to see today is that purpose empowers you to please God. We're not living to impress anyone else, but we're living to please God. And when you look at this situation with Pharaoh and Moses, I want to make sure you identify the cultural truth that Moses wasn't just saying, I want out of Pharaoh's house. What he was looked at, the way that he referred to himself, wasn't that he was a man or a king, that he was God. Moses was saying what was basically cultural and actual suicide of giving eventually giving, Mo, uh, giving Pharaoh instruction of saying, you need to let the Israelite people go. This wasn't just socially awkward, this was socially suicide. He was, he was disagreeing with someone who the city felt was God. And each one of the plagues that God sent on, on Egypt that Moses spoke to Pharaoh were an attack on the different Egyptian godheads. I mean, what, what Moses was doing was socially terrible to have to walk through. But he was willing to walk through it. He's willing to endure that pain because he knew that he was worried about pleasing God and chasing after this purpose. Not chasing after the approval of Pharaoh. Not chasing after the approval of men. And so the purpose that we chase after it empowers us to please God. And that concept of not worrying about what people think, I think of Acts 5.29, where Peter and the other disciples were told, you have to stop preaching in that name, in that name of Jesus. And, and their reaction was, should we obey man or God? And they had that mindset of saying, I'm more concerned about what God thinks than what people think. And, and when we chase after purpose, it empowers us to please God because we are putting what he says is first, first. Going back to verse 26 one more time. Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Egypt. Now it doesn't say that, you know, the treasures of Egypt weren't worth something, and, and there's things in our life that, you know, it's not that they're, they're terrible, like they're, there's things that we appreciate in life. You know, there's a value to, to just being liked by people, but there's a greater value in being loved by God. There's a value in having fun with friends, but there's a greater value in being faithful to God. There's a value to starting something important, but there's a greater value to finishing something important. And there is a value in comfort, but there is a greater value in calling. And there is a value in being popular, but there is a greater value to serving God's purpose for your life. And I believe that he has a purpose for you today. I believe when you look across into your car and see the person sitting next to you, that you'll find purposes that you need to live out in that relationship. I think when you look across your household, when you look at the person behind you in the line at Publix, You're going to find these opportunities to live for the purpose of God all around you, everywhere you go, in your workplace. You're going to see these opportunities. But none of these opportunities become action without a choice. And so church, my challenge, my encouragement to you today is for you to look around and choose to chase after your purpose. Because there is a great reward, there is a great treasure that is ahead of you. But it all starts with a choice. Today, as we wrap this message together, we're going we're to take communion together. And as I said at the beginning of service, communion is something that everyone who believes in Christ is welcome to partake in. There's no, net, it's not necessary to be a member of this church to take communion with us. Communion is a picture and it's also a heart check. Scripture warns us not to take communion in an unworthy manner. And and so when when we talk about our purpose, if if you feel like you have been living away from your purpose and there's something that you've allowed to creep into your life and your heart, if there's a sin that you've been hung up on, then even right now, I just encourage you, bow your head and just pray and talk to God about it and tell him, I've been struggling with this. I give it over to you. Forgive me. Help me to walk in your strength. And if there's a struggle that you've had just in this moment, just give that to God. And communion is greatly connected to purpose because it requires that heart check and because what Scripture says is when we take of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes again. And So communion is a statement. So if you believe, if you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you're welcome to take communion with us. Ushers, greeters, I think they're getting rounded up right now. Um, If you guys would go ahead and bring the bread and the cup up to the front of each of these sections. Um, Band, if you guys would come back up on stage. The the band is going to play a a song while we come up and take communion together. And as you come to the front, you can partake in communion. Go ahead and drink the cup. Go ahead and eat the bread as you come up to the front. And then go back to your seat afterwards. And then I'll have a couple more words for you after we take communion. Ushers, would you guys go ahead and come forward? I'm going to pray as the band gets back up here on stage. Jesus, I thank you that your body was broken for us, that your blood was poured out. And I thank you that you provided this heart check moment for us as we go through our month, as we go through the days of our life. And and I just pray that right now, if there's anything that we're hanging on to, any struggles, that we would give it over to you. We thank you that your body walked through pain to accomplish the purpose that you had ahead of you and that you were able to give us new life through your death and your resurrection. So Jesus, today we celebrate communion, we celebrate who you are, and we say that this is is part of who we are. And so we, we take the bread, we take the cup, and we proclaim your death. We trust you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. As you are willing and able, come forward, celebrate communion with us, then head back to your seat you can stand and sing